Hey, before we begin the show today, I'd like to personally invite you to attend an upcoming webinar that Fuel, along with Flip2 and Stay in Touch, are going to be hosting on March 23rd at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to be talking about the evolution of guest expectations and how you can meet those new demands. We're going to be looking at prior to the booking, how you can compete with the OTAs. We're going to be looking at during the stay, how can you make sure that your guest leaves happy. And then after the stay, how can you continue that relationship and ensure that your guest wants to tell other people about your property and come and stay again. So if you're interested, again, it's March 23rd at 1 p.m. Eastern time. To register, simply go to fueltravel.com slash webinar and fill out the form. Hope to see you there. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and I am joined today with the vivacious Pete DeMeo. I was going to like growl or something, but I can't. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm just coming up with weird words to describe you every time. <laughs> and, and the ever-present, dead inside, Melissa Kavanaugh. It's so good to be back. I've missed you guys. Yeah. It's I, been a I was while. saying ever present, ironically, because you have not been on the show in a while. It's been a very long time, so I'm happy to be back. We missed you. Well, today it's all going to be, we're talking about nerdy data stuff, which is right up your alley. It is. And we have a very special surprise guest for everyone. I don't know if it's a surprise because I think we said who it was going to be last episode, maybe. But nevertheless, it is not Yoda. I don't remember who else we've had as guests. It's not Glenn Hausman again, it is not Expedia. It is the one and the only, the internet famous, Ricky from Flip2. <laughs> what a great intro. There you go. I'm here, I'm here to be internet famouser. That's right. And I don't know if you guys remember, if you're, if you're an old time listener of this show, then we've mentioned Ricky in the past four. We've mentioned Flip2 a lot in general, but Ricky, we mentioned when we did a recap of the high tech conference from last year, because Ricky was the famous guy who there was a cardboard cutout of called Flat Ricky that went missing somewhere down Bourbon Street. So in honor of him visiting our uh, our office this week, we made a new version 2.0 of Flat Ricky. You guys did a good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering you didn't have all the all the tools to work with, yeah. it, it turned out nice. Yeah, it was indeed a cutout of Robert Pattinson from the Twilight Saga with Ricky's face slapped on top of it. And up until yesterday when you arrived, Ricky, it was uh, Steve Harvey's face on there. Cause that's we, a, that's, a, t- that's a tough one to fill in. <laughs> it is. For a lot of reasons. It is. So we are here today. We're going to talk about this amazing, awesome study on website behavior and what you need to know about your guests and what really matters to them when it comes to coming to a hotel website. And I think probably this is the best study that has ever existed. And it is also being produced by two of the greatest companies in the history of humanity. Indeed. One being your yours truly, Fuel, and the other being Flip2. So we partnered together to survey, you know, over 2,000 leisure travelers and ask them all kinds of questions. So in this episode, we're going to drill down into some of those findings, some of the highlights, some of the things that stood out to us. And then obviously, we'll encourage you guys to download it yourselves and, and take a gander at it. But before we do that, as always, let's jump into what's going on in the news, Pete. All right, so we're going to start off with an article that is appearing in Skift, but honestly, if you've been kind of paying attention, it is really everywhere. Facebook has made an update to their app and launched a new city guide platform that allows for direct bookings 
for hotels and restaurants. And this is pretty interesting because, you know, for so long we've seen Facebook take more and more and more steps to keeping customers on Facebook. You know, we saw that, you know, a year or more ago when they stopped linking out to a browser where they're keeping the people on the site. Instant pages, yeah. Right. Uh, And now they're going to the point where they're even integrating in directly with, you know, that booking process. It's interesting because, one, we've known that Facebook has always been in the travel space just from the sheer fact that people go on vacation and post pictures. But this is almost a competitor in some ways to Google Trips where now you can search a destination and actually book your stay. So it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how Facebook evolves this platform and how that fits in the travel space. Yeah, I mean, there's no two questions about it. it. Facebook wants to be the internet. That's what they're trying to do. You know, it's it's for a lot of people that are not in the internet industry, their browser defaults to Facebook. That's where they spend the majority of their time uh, on their desktop and their mobile phone, you know? So this is not a surprise to me at all. I mean, travel is a great industry in terms of revenue and transactions online. So it, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, face, Facebook has a huge advantage too in the fact that they came after MySpace, right? So they get to actually learn from the mistakes that MySpace made. And the biggest thing for them is is always going to be relevance. Like their thing is we have to have a product that is something that people feel is relevant, that grabs people's attention, keeps people's attention. And if they don't do that, then they're going to lose relevance and they're going to go the way of MySpace. So like they have this huge advantage in that MySpace came first and now they can learn from that. So it's it seems natural. Like they're going to continue to get into these types of things because that's the stuff that people are interested in that are paying attention to. Yeah, and they're just trying to make more and more money mm-hmm. and, and leverage the biggest asset, which is the data they have yeah. on, the, on the, all the users, the millions and billions of users. They know so much about us. But the challenge they're going to always face is changing people's mindset from what they're going to Facebook for, right? You're trying to divert them away from snooping on their, you know, high school boyfriend or girlfriend or seeing what their cousin's getting up to across the country or, you know, people go there to read about their family, their friends, keep up with the brands that they really care about. So trying to get people to go from the, the maybe they're inspired to travel because they see their friend's photos but now to actually transact, it's going to be interesting to see. I think it will, you know, just like Google Hotel Ads has taken a while to really ramp up and get some really good data behind it. I think we're going to see the same with Facebook. It's also going to be interesting to see what ends up happening as this platform evolves. Because right now you go there you, or you go to the city guides, you find information, you can book a hotel in certain markets, not everywhere yet. However, they basically have a pretty powerful search engine in terms of marketing because if I know my friend just booked a hotel, say, in Austin, Texas, then does that mean those ads start getting shown to me where I can book directly on Facebook for Austin as well? You know, Facebook has a ton of intelligence in, in that space, so I think it starts out as a city guide, but seeing how this gets integrated into Facebook throughout it's going to be really interesting i think the timing is just right for them we've seen you know in the past six months just revenue coming in from our hotel clients who advertise on facebook either through their normal organic posts or when they're posting deals or they're doing facebook ads we're starting to see some very significant revenue coming in from that source which makes me believe that people are becoming more confident in booking through that avenue so it's still relatively low cost too right right yeah yeah, I think that the big play for Facebook is going to be like what Pete was saying. When they start integrating 
all the stuff that they're really good at, like into that particular app within the app, that's where it's going to get pretty scary for hotels because Facebook's going to start doing all the things that hotels should have been doing. And that's becoming masters of their destination, uh, capitalizing on what people are saying, using that conversation to really be like a driver for traffic. I mean, think how far they could go down the targeting path. If Ricky and I always go on vacations with our families together, Ricky books someplace, say Austin, Texas, and he's ever always flags me as being with him in these pictures. Facebook is going to know, okay, there's a high propensity that Pete also might be booking. Mm -hmm. And it's going to, it's really going to revolutionize think how Facebook uses their platform. Yeah, it, it could, I mean, I hate to use the word, but it couldn't really be a disruptor that they, they, they and Google along with probably Amazon are the three that I think could really shake things up. Yep. So that was a good find Pete. I like that article a lot. It's definitely something to watch. Ricky, you, you brought a gift. You brought us a news item as well. I did. I did. Well, I wanted to I wanted to feel like I was contributing more than just my golden voice. Um, yeah, so I found this uh, this article um, regarding Airbnb. It was written by a, a buddy of mine, Alan Young, with um, Puzzle Partner and uh, Next Big Thing. So that's a little plug for Alan there. Um, he puts out some really good stuff. But this article, he kind of took the approach looking at Airbnb and sort of saying, okay, how, how can hotels it's not going away, right? Airbnb's here. People like it. They're using it. It's a, it's a, you know, a huge platform. How can hotels kind of deal with it? And he sort of breaks that down into different strategies. And a couple of them I, I wanted to point out. First one is um, really a tough one, but, but blocking it, right? So that's kind of going the political, the legislative route. Most hotels probably aren't going to take that approach. I think you'll see brands more likely than anyone else to do that because they have that kind of clout to, to make that push. Um, but the other one I thought was really interesting that, that Alan touched on was the, um, you know, kind of trying to compete with Airbnb. It's like acknowledging they're there, but then actually doing something about it and kind of how they can do that. And it's really through integration and differentiation. So taking a look at things like, you know, what's the hotel experience versus the Airbnb experience? Obviously, there's a lot of differences there. You know, you don't have to look very deep to figure out what that is. And then, you know, highlighting that because there's definitely a customer base for each, right? There's the customer that's gonna definitely be the Airbnb customer, and then there's that customer who's definitely gonna be more into like the resort or the hotel space. And really, hotels taking an active role in making that clear delineation about, okay, we're this, we're not that, right? So I think that's gonna, that's what it's gonna come down to. Yeah, I agree 100%. We, we talked about this in a two, uh, episode about the 2017 trends and Airbnb and the sharing economy being a disruptor and 100% agree. I think differentiation is the key to fighting off any kind of competition, right? Whether that's the, the hotel next door because you've got a better lazy river or whether that's, you know, someone like an Airbnb that's coming in and disrupting the space. But to put it in perspective, Airbnb in terms of the number of units is about twice as big as Marriott and Starwood combined, you yeah. know? So it, it's not a small player, but it's also not going to be 90% of the inventory in, in your destination. It's just not. So look at it on the scale that it is. And then like Ricky said, think about what amenities you have, what offerings do you have. And a lot of people now, a lot of the inventory on Airbnb has gone away from that traditional, here's a spare room in my bedroom, in my house, to I've got a rental program going professionally yep. on Airbnb. So you've lost that kind of host feel that Airbnb had the bed and breakfast kind of aspect that once was. And, and, you know, so I, I, I think if you take the hospitality route with it and you say, okay, we're going to host our guests, we're going to give them great service while they're here. 
then there's always going to be a market for that. And, and there's certain people that will never touch Airbnb for that reason because they want that personal touch. Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge Airbnb has too is the fact that, you know, they've got a great platform. It's easy to use. Anybody can essentially get on there and use it. So when you have something like that and you open it up, naturally you open it up to people who want to come in and kind of abuse it, right? And so to your point, that's what you're starting to see where there's these companies that are just buying out buildings and using them, using mm-hmm. Airbnb as a distribution platform to, to monetize those buildings. Um, and another thing that they do that's really interesting is they're really good about the like the host experience and hey, you know, I live here, I'm a local, I'm gonna show you what you can do while you're here. Hotels should be all over that. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to, I've not seen it yet, I would love to see a hotel that took that initiative and said, we're gonna be like the market leader. We're gonna, we're gonna be the ones, if you wanna know what's going on in you know, San Diego, we've got all the info. And mm-hmm. it's like if you give that to your, to your client base or your potential guests, that, that, you know, you're building favor with them, right? So when it comes time to book, who would you rather book with? The random hotel that's just kind of in the middle of it or the hotel who's actually out figuring out like, dude, you're in San Diego, there's all these things to do and we've got you covered. Yeah, bringing back the true concierge at the hotel level. Yeah, but do, yeah. do it at like the higher level. Do it at like, use social media, leverage yeah. that, like get out. Well, there. Hilton's done that a little bit on Twitter, right? They've got their Ask Hilton. It's uh, Hilton Helps, right? Hilton Helps, yeah. So they've done it a little bit, but it hasn't really translated down to the property level, you know? So I think it's gotten some buzz in the marketing industry, but I don't know how aware average consumers are. But it's interesting if you go read the the stream, it's like people can literally ask anything they want and they're going to try to help. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the brands will be able to pull it off at the level of the independent. I mean, if you look at the independent versus the brand, this is one mm-hmm. of those areas where the independent has a huge advantage. They can own that market. The re- Your average Hilton, Starwood, Marriott, well, Marriott, at <laughs> those types of hotels, they're always going to sort of look to corporate and say, well, they're going to take care of it. They're going to take care right. of it. And they may or they may not. But, you know, someone sitting in, you know, Braintree isn't going to know San Diego as well as the hotel that's there, that's been there, you yeah. know, Sheridan gas lamp or whatever, like they're, they're going to kill it. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> the other thing that, uh, you know, we've talked about before is that you, you as a hotel, likely are hosting a lot more guests than an individual Airbnb property, right? So there's an economy of scale there. Like you can afford to invest in something that is a shared benefit amongst your guests, whether that's amenities or events or uh, things like kids, kids activities or movie nights or stuff where you can spread that cost across all your guests, but they're all going to benefit from it. So that that's another angle I think you can really differentiate. All right, so that wraps up the news. So we're going to jump into our topic. But before we did, I thought it would be good for us and the listeners to get to know Ricky and Flip2 a little bit better. So, Ricky, you want to give us kind of the elevator pitch on what Flip2 is, what they do, and how they help hotels? Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for thanks for the opportunity to do that. Uh, this is really exciting to be here doing this with you guys. I've been listening to the podcast for a while, and so it's a lot of fun to actually like being here at the uh, at the spider table. You finally, <laughs> you finally made it. I finally made it. Yeah, big leagues. It took it took an offer to do a podcast to get me up here, but it was mm-hmm. worth it. Um, so yeah, so Flip Two, we're we're a marketing automation platform for hotels that's really um, uh, focused around this idea of advocacy. And so think of word of mouth advertising at like a larger scale than ever before. So when you think about when you think about social and you think about the internet. People now have a venue where they can broadcast their voice to more people than ever before, more quickly than ever before. So it's word of mouth advertising at you know a, a really ridiculous kind of scale. And so really, that's what our platform is designed around. Um, we're we're very considerate and very careful about how we implement, how we design those types of things because everything needs to feel natural. 
um, when you're when you're encouraging people to get out and share about an experience they just booked or something they just completed and they had you know they did all these wonderful things and took all these great pictures um, that process has to be natural if it's artificial people some people will do it but you're gonna you're gonna be able to see through that um, and it's just not gonna feel as authentic uh, and it's not gonna convert as well so we're very careful in terms of design uh, conversion experiences, that kind of thing, to make sure whatever we're doing, whatever our experiences are, they're all natural and kind of expected by the guest. Um, and so we see, you know, day in, day out, just remarkable stories that guests are sharing about their experiences. We've seen Olympic athletes who've taken pictures of themselves breaking national records being submitted. We had a guy who traveled from the UK all the way to San Francisco, and he's a professional photographer. And he carted over all his equipment and he was kind of wondering like, oh, should I have done this? I flew halfway across the world and I brought all this expensive stuff. He sets up on his balcony in San Francisco and takes a long-term exposure shot of the San Francisco skyline, captures a satellite coming through space, takes this great like 4K resolution picture and submits it. And his story is this, this made the whole experience worthwhile. I, you know, bringing all my equipment and everything, that was it. And it's like, had, had they not had that opportunity to share that story, that guest would have just been in and out. And that would have been it. So it's it's great to see that stuff bubble up, and we're we're really excited to bring that to hotels. Yeah, and what you know, there's a couple things I really love about your product, and you know, one of them is it's not just a tool, because you know, there's a lot of ways that a, a hotel can put user generated content on their site, right? But how are they really going to leverage that to its maximum potential? Your product actually has a really good workflow, so it, it's really easy to manage. It's not cumbersome. I mean, literally, we've got clients that it's it's less than 10, 15 minutes a week curating and, and adding the data to the site. You know, it doesn't take a lot to manage it because you've thought through it from a workflow perspective. Yeah, and, and, and most of us are in the hospitality space. Like, as we built the product out, we, you know, brought in hospitality people. You know, my whole background is hospitality. So as we were building this thing out, we're thinking through, like, all right, you know, we've got people who've been in these situations what's the expectation? Like, mm -hmm. how, how would you use this if you were the hotel? How would you use this if you were the guest? And it's amazing how if you take a minute and ask yourself those questions, how well things can work out for you in the end. Yeah, thinking about it from the end user's perspective. Uh, the, you know, the other thing I really like about it and probably something that I didn't, when I first came across your, your product at, at High Tech last year, and it was interesting to me. I'm always, you know, user-generated content to me is very intriguing and underutilized in the industry. But what you've done is taken it and really applied it to thinking about the end goal. Like at the end of the day, we don't want just to share content. We want to get more heads in beds. So the advocacy side of it and how you've built like gamified and offered incentives to get your guests to essentially become your marketing army for you. I mean that I haven't seen another product that does it as well as you guys do. If you do, let me know. <laughs> it's more than that though I mean the, the automation side is just so fantastic because and we've tried to get you know in-house guest reviews and get hotels to post them to the site you know on an ongoing basis and really create and distribute that user generated content but it's never really worked because it was all, there was always a manual process oh someone sent in a review on a post day survey hey that's great but now someone has to get that and post it to the site. And inevitably you look at the site and there's a review that the last one was two years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the automation part that ties in the written review, that ties mm -hmm. in the photography and constantly just gets it 
push to the site yeah. and minimizes the work on the staff side mm-hmm. is is actually what makes it work so right. well. And it gets the volume, right? Because of the gamification and the incentives that are built in, you're going to get a lot more people submitting stuff and sharing stuff than you would if you just like leave a review, which is what a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. But like we've talked about this before on the show as well. When, when people are looking for a hotel room, our studies and the data we have shows that and it's going up. The last study we did, it's 87% of people will not book without le- looking at a review first, right? And a review does not have to be the number of stars in the headline like it is on TripAdvisor. It can be a testimonial. It can just be some reinforcement from a guest that tells you you're making a good decision. So if your site doesn't have anything like a review on it, you're sending 85 to 87% of people away from your site before they make that booking decision. And with a product like Flip2, you don't need to send them away because they've got everything they need right there to consume and make a decision. And like, like you said, it's a reassurance. A lot of times when someone's looking at a review, it is not to make a decision yes or no. It is simply to reaffirm their decision that they've already decided, hey, I want to I visit here. And they're just making sure there's no you know, obvious reason that they shouldn't. Yeah. They just need someone else telling you, hey, good job, you're making the right, right. choice. So I can blame someone else when my wife gets mad because right. I picked a bad property. So guests can blame Flip too yeah. if they're not having that's good experience. That's what I heard. Guests can blame their friends. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think that's what you were getting at. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, it's an awesome product. And um, you know, if you want to check it out, it's www.flip.2. T-O. T-O, yeah. Not T-O-O. Not T-O-O. Not the number two. No. Okay, flip.to, which is a cool domain name. Yeah, bonus bonus points for anyone who can tell us where that domain name originates. Tonga, I don't know. You do know, because you just got it right. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the only country I could think of that would be a TO. You're so cultured. I know. Good job. It's all that time I spent in Africa. I did Nowhere close to Tonga. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not going to ask you where Tonga is, but you got the right answer at least. Okay. It's the thing that hangs in the back of your neck. What? The Tonga? The Tonga? Is that tonsils? Never mind. <laughs> That's not that either. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Where that, is Tonga? Do you know? It is. It's it's quite far off the coast of Australia, but it's uh, Pacific okay. Island. That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's where right I know it from. There. I know it from the Rugby Sevens. Like they play rugby, and like a lot of those, it was Australia and New Zealand are big into rugby, right? And England tries to be, but are never that great. But then a lot of those islands have really, really good, like Western Samoa. Like, yeah. You would never think it, but they have one of the best rugby teams. It's, it's crazy. And it. Tonga has a good one too. They breed them big out there. So we're not here to talk about rugby or Tonga, but we are going to talk about this travel study. And if you guys want to follow along at home, you want to have your own copy of this, you can go to fueltravel.com slash website study and download a, a copy for yourself. And we asked a ton of questions. And again, to put this in perspective, this is leisure travelers in North America. So people that have indicated they've taken at least a five-night um, trip in the last uh, two years that they've traveled in the last year. And, um, you know, it was U.S. and Ca- Canadian is where everyone was from. And they've traveled somewhere in the U.S., primarily resort destinations. So, so that's the caveat because some of this data might not match up if you're, like, in a city or you have a high percentage of business travelers. And this was a self-reporting study. So there's always some kind of bias there. Uh, but we had a sample size of over 2,000. So we feel statistically that, you know, this is valid data. Uh, but there was a lot of takeaways. And we're not going to go through the whole report, but we wanted just to highlight a few things 
that we thought were standouts. And uh, one of the other things we did throughout the study was we kind of called out millennial stats relative to everyone else just to see if, in fact, millennials behave differently or the same because, you know, we know millennials get a bad rap for shaking stuff up and everyone blames millennials for all the world's issues. Uh, you know, we found in some cases millennials are exactly the same as everyone else. In a lot of cases, in fact, um, in some cases they're a little different. But um, so, in other words, they're they're humans after all. Yeah, that it is official. You heard it first here on the podcast. Breaking news: Millennials are humans. <laughs> millennials are humans. Whatever you believe about them, they are human. Um, so, Ricky, you want to kick us off with some of the takeaways that you got from this study? Yeah. So, you know, there, there was some really good stuff in here. Um, and it was interesting when we were helping you guys put this together, you know, we were kind of trying to make a game out of it internally and just sort of go through some of the questions and kind of predict like what we thought responses mm-hmm. would be. And uh, we did all right, but some stuff was, some stuff really popped and stood out to us. Um, so it's, it's interesting to, to have a chance to go through this. But one of the things that I wanted to focus on here is, um, you know, which, which sources are most influential when it comes to making a travel decision. Um, and so what I liked about the way the study was structured is you actually kind of get to see it in, in sort of a progression. So, uh, you know, as you go through this, like you'll see the, that initially it's the hotel website, which tends to be one of the most influential ones. Um, but then following that is, is word of mouth. And so I don't feel like, I'm, I'm sure Brian, you're listening. I wouldn't feel like I was doing my, my duty to my company if I didn't spend a little time talking about word of mouth. Um, but it's really interesting to hear people say, you know, aside from, the content that's on the website as it is, what people are talking about has has an impact, has an influence on what we decide to do in terms of travel. Um, and it's funny when you talk to people, I mean, you know, word of mouth is the the oldest form of advertising, right? It's been around forever. It's, it's never less effective um, on a day-to-day basis. It's always better every day. It's always extremely effective. Right, the medium shifted. Right, how yeah. that how that information is transferred may have evolved with yep. the internet, but it's still a person telling a person they know something positive. Right, about and them. I mean word of mouth. Word of mouth just sort of travels with with whatever the communication forum or venue or whatever you want to call it, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just always there. It's ever present. Um, much like Melissa, who's, who's ever, ever present. present. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, one of the interesting takeaways from this is that you know hotels. Hotels, when it comes to the travel experience, hotels have, they're, they're one of the best positioned entities in that whole process to influence word of mouth, right? Because they're the ones who are essentially the facilitators of whatever that experience is. And it's the hotels who, who put the hospitality first to ensure that whatever that guest experience is or whatever those expectations are, if they can deliver on that, deliver on that promise, they win every time, like 100% win rate if they do that. Um, and so to me, it's amazing that, you know, you still have instances where we've got hotels, you go on TripAdvisor and you look and it's like, you know, 50% and less recommendation rating. It's like, you have all these tools out there to tell you like your report card on how you're doing. Like that's a direct measure of that. And yet it persists. Like mm-hmm. how, how is that not, you're not learning from your mistakes, exactly. paying attention to what people are trying to tell you. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, so following through the flow, you have OTAs, um, next. I don't think that's a big surprise. I I do think though, that's a little, a little disconcerting for hotels that, you know, a a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of travelers are learning about them for the first time and being influenced, uh, to book them through OTAs. Um, and you know, they may actually book through the OTA. Yeah. And we, I mean, we're seeing, I'd say in general, it's, it's trending up. I feel like OTAs are getting better. They're, getting, they're doing a much better job in the hotels at competing for the booking. 
And, you know, hotels have got to wake up because it, it's mm-hmm. going in the wrong direction. We're all here at Fuel. We're all about the direct booking, getting more yep. direct bookings. And a lot of hotels are just, they're, they're falling short. And we, you know, we did the whole episode on why booking.com does a really good job of capturing the guest. And hotels need to pay attention to what the OTAs are doing because a lot of times the data we're seeing, a guest understands that they have choice and they're going to the, the booking.coms of the world or the expeditors of the world, but they're also going to the property site. So they're making a conscious decision, not just I want to book hotel X, but where I'm going to book it is yeah. a separate decision. So even though you know you're going to get that guest, you've still got to influence where they make that choice and how how they end up booking it. Yeah, I mean the, the OTAs have spent spent years and you know countless millions of dollars on perfecting converting the traveler at time of transaction. You know that's what they specialize in. And so for a hotel, if you're you know if you're giving up anything to the OTAs in terms of traffic. Once they're on that site, like they're going to hammer them hard and try and convert them while they're there, right? So, you know, you really have to make sure, and that's what's great about this study, is you really have to make sure from, from a top to bottom perspective, everything on your site is as tight as it can possibly be. You need the best content, the best converting experiences. You need to understand who's there, why they're there. Um, you know, we're going to look at all the, a lot of this stuff, and it's all in the study. Definitely recommend taking a look at it, but... Um, you know, the OTAs, like you're not going to beat them at time of transaction. You're just not. So anyway, following up from there, you have uh, search engines. What, what I thought was interesting about search engines is, you know, we were talking about a little bit before with the Facebook, uh, the news article you shared on Facebook. So Facebook, you mentioned search within Facebook, not a search engine, but they do have those capabilities. But what I thought is interesting is that right now, YouTube is the second largest search engine on the internet. People don't think of YouTube in that way. But if you want to learn about a product, or you want to figure out how to use something or fix something or whatever, if you just want to figure out how to do something, YouTube is where you go to do that because there's no better venue to learn that than, than video. Right. And I think that really stresses the importance of you know hotels leveraging video and YouTube as an amazing distribution platform that people are using actively to search. You know, Get on there and do video. It can be professional. It can be a little more amateur. I mean, it just, it just needs to be something that conveys your sort of personality, your the spirit of your property. Yeah. One thing to think about there is mm-hmm. <clears throat> whether you are or not, your hotel is already on YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's been mm-hmm. guests that have, you know, shot video, posted it to YouTube, and that's what's going to show up when someone mm-hmm. does a search for your property name, you know, within YouTube. So you need to make sure that you, know, you are putting your best foot forward there. You already have a presence. Make sure that you're able to control and manage that presence the best you can. I mean, we always recommend you know, putting videos on YouTube and then embedding them on your site, not necessarily sending people to YouTube, but using that as a platform, you kind of get the best of both worlds out of it. For sure. You can learn anything on YouTube. Pete literally learned how to be a beekeeper in the last 30 days just from YouTube. It will teach you anything. Mm-hmm. Why one would want to become a beekeeper, I'm still questioning. But so we Pete, need to save the bees. Pete learned how to be a beekeeper. Well, it, if you have any bees, you need to relocate. Pete has a hive now at his house. Fantastic. I can only take a, one at a time. A feral hive. One, yeah. A feral hive. Yeah. You, you can only take one bee or one colony? Or... One colony at a time. Okay. Will they it, fight? If you? I don't think they'll fight. It's just I have other stuff in my life I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> You don't want to be a full-time I, I beekeeper? S- I, I don't want to save the world. I just want to save a few bees. Are we not going to start a beekeeping podcast next? I, I think we need to just... We'll call it Pete be- the Repentant Beekeeper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That so. is how Pete got into it. He yeah. was feeling sad because he killed some bees. So 
he decided to bring equilibrium back yep. to the world. Restoring his karmic yep. balance mm-hmm. with the I universe. Am. My yeah. karma is now even. But think about this. Like 20 years ago, you couldn't have done that. You couldn't have figured out how to become a beekeeper really easily. Now you can just go to YouTube and watch a couple of videos and boom, you're done. Well, yeah. you know, if, since we're on, on that subject, I also didn't necessarily go to, you know, the trip advisor of beekeeping. I don't know if there is one. I went right to YouTube and got the information I needed, made my decision, and made a purchase on Amazon. You know, so it really did bypass a lot of the, you know, traditional ways that people would go about learning about something and shopping. You know, so wh- whoever you are, I mean, spanning beyond the hotel business, if you don't have a position on YouTube, you are missing out on a guest position. Yeah, and one of the ways I've seen people leverage YouTube effectively is to anticipate the kind of questions they're going to get either about the property or about the destination and then go create content around that. You know, that real easy. Like like you said, Ricky, it doesn't have to be professionally cut. You can go shoot it with a, a very inexpensive camera and publish it. Um, you know, the other people, the real people on the pool deck, you know, going and interviewing those. It goes back to testimonials, kind of like Flip2 does as a product. But you can do it on a very small scale yourself just with an iPhone, you know. Just go talk to people. All right, so let's jump to the next takeaway. So, Pete, what was yours? All right, so the next thing I really took from this study is what it takes to make your hotel website stand out. And this really, you know, kind of springs off of, you know, Ricky's discussion of, you know, what sources are most influential. And we know that the hotel website is the most influential source to help a visitor. So the question then becomes, what can we do on the site to make it that much better? You know, what can we do to make sure that when you're looking at your, a pie chart of where people, you know, are learning about your property that a vast majority of that is you know your hotel website specifically and there's actually probably three key things that I took from this the first one is photography 87% of our respondents said that photography was a great influencer in deciding if that person was going to book it's one of those line items in your marketing budget that I think a lot of people overlook because they had a photography they had a photo shoot several years ago and we've actually done a, a podcast you know very early on about you know not resting on your laurels when it comes to photography and making sure it's an annual line item mm-hmm. getting great photography spending the money for it and making sure guests can get a real 360 degree view of your property with great photography and, and adding to that if you're gonna pay someone to take pictures take pictures with people in them like mm-hmm. it's really important that people see people doing the things at your hotel that you expect them to do while they're there. Mm-hmm. Like empty rooms, empty. It's it's silly how how how, how like conference centers devoid of people. Mm-hmm. It's like why do you not have this conference center packed with people? Like show that energy, right? Like you know, I'm sure most of the people listening to this have been to some kind of conference at one point or another. Like there's an energy that mm-hmm. comes in that, right? Like show that in the pictures and convey that like let some emotion come through the image instead of being worried about okay well this is what they're wearing in 2017 you know we got to get 10 years out of this picture and they're not going to be wearing you know that kind of style Mm -hmm. who cares like just get the pictures out there let people see it today and understand that like people use your product yeah it's much better to do an ongoing series of shoots you know, year after year after year, then spend all your photography budget for 10 years in one year, think you get everything you want, 
and then five years down the road you have no budget left and you know fashion styles have changed or the rooms have changed i think that's one of the things that really gets people to make a booking decision is when they do see those room shots and if you have you know sheets that look like they're you know five years old or you don't have the triple sheeting or whatever's kind of required for modern guests then you're missing out and photography is the one way to do that yeah you have to as a hotel today i think to be competitive you have to have a photo shoot going on every single year Mm -hmm. and probably multiple seasons a year but it needs to be on your annual budget every single year it's not a one once and done and the other thing is you know people i'm getting a lot of questions recently because vr is a big buzz you know people are asking is this the next big thing and we've talked about ar and vr but Half the people, no, 90% of the people that are asking me about VR, if I pull up their website, their photography sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, before you even think about VR, you've got to have great video, right? And before you even touch video, you've got to have amazing photography. They're, they're the same people who complain about the cost of photography. Yeah. They haven't seen what the cost of a virtual reality shoot actually <laughs> yeah, is. This is true. But it, back to your point about having people in it, you know, I kind of, I'm back and forward when it comes to the rooms itself. Like to me personally, it's about a bit icky when I see other people in the bed. You know, I just, I prefer void, devoid of people rooms, but everything else, the amenities, everything at the restaurants, the, the meeting space, I want to see people having fun and, and doing what they're meant to be doing. And don't just go get Joe, the maintenance guy to be in the photos, go hire professional models. Because it makes such a difference. You'll get more shots done. You'll spend your photographer's budget much more wisely if he can be taking pictures and not telling the maintenance guy to turn the walkie-talkie off because there's an overflowing toilet or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you, if, you do, if you do decide to go the route of having models in your shots, look over those contracts really carefully. Because I've been at hotels before where there's a time period where they can use those photos before the rights they basically they forfeit the rights to the content because the models are in there mm-hmm. so like be re- if you're going to go that route like be really careful that you're looking at the contracts and making sure that you can use these for as long as you need to use them because otherwise you just put an expiration date on something you probably spent a lot of money on yeah for sure yeah and, and kind of going from there you know, obviously photography is incredibly important 87 percent of the respondents said that it's a must right behind that at 77 percent was design and having a website that really does have a great user-centric and conversion-centric site or design to it. You know, make sure that, you know, just like photography, if your website's five years old, it's probably time to take a magnifying glass to it and see if it needs to be updated. Design goes beyond just a platform to show the great photography, but design is also about a great conversion tool to lead the customer and your guest through that conversion process to a booking, which includes obviously the photography, but also includes clear calls to action. And one I think people a lot of times overlook is you know great load time and mm-hmm. just great technical performance as well. Do I need to say it needs to be mobile friendly? Should we just throw that in there? <laughs> I just because. Think, okay, so episode 46, we need to speak, start talking about desktop friendly. We assume <laughs> it's gonna be mobile friendly, but now we also should start checking for if it's desktop friendly. That's right. Mobile first, Melissa. Yeah. Mobile first. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's, it's amazing that mobile is still an afterthought to so many people. Amazing. It definitely mm-hmm. still is an afterthought. Yeah. So. Not in this office. I hope not. 
Yeah, Pete, you you touched on something that that you know we something that we focus on a lot at Flip Two, and that's the you know understanding why the person that's there is there. Like, and and Melissa, you can probably speak to this since you're into the the analytics piece of this, and you really you know get that. But you know when you talk about website design, you know all the things that Pete said, hundred percent thinking through why is this person on my site most hotel sites when you go to them today it's it's all like deal specific type stuff like we're going to hammer you with deals because we're trying to convert you at that moment the truth of the matter is and i think we're going to look at this a little bit later is that not everybody's there at that time to make a decision right so keeping in mind the reason that that person is there analytics can help you get a, a sense of that i mean some of the stuff that we do can also help you with that as well um but it's really important to understand why that person is there and have have avenues for them to take to explore your site relative to their purpose for being there. It's not always about book immediately. Some people are there to get information. If you can be the facilitator of great information, whether it's about the destination or your property or just the whole experience as, as you know, together, um, that has a lot of value. You know, there's a lot of value in giving and giving and giving and giving. And ultimately that person, once you've given enough, they're going to say, you know what, this is, this is the one I want to do business with because they've helped me reach my decision. Yeah, and, and we actually looked at, there's a section in this study that's called How Long Does It Take? And this, this shocked me. I mean, it really did. But people reported that they're looking at, the, the hotel that they end up booking on, they're looking at an average of 3.4 times. So they're not just coming to your site once and making a decision yes or no. They're bouncing back and forward and, and there's a process to it. But more alarmingly and surprising was how long they take on that site before the decisions made so over the 3.4 sessions that they'll have on your website on average they're spending 29.8 minutes which is crazy because we're so used to looking at it in terms of you know visits versus visitors yeah that you say oh they've only been my average time on site is just a couple minutes right well if they're coming back multiple times they've invested a lot in making that decision mm -hmm. yeah so. 30 minutes it's half yeah. an hour of research. I mean, you're yep. going to read and consume a lot of information in 30 minutes. Yeah. And that kind of brings us to the last point in kind of what it takes to make a great hotel website is guests are really looking for specifics. You know, you, you can give them the broad picture of each room, but at the end of the day, they want great written content as well as the photography and the layout and everything else. And it's kind of give you some numbers to ponder. 95% said a property and room info was important. Obviously that kind of makes a lot of sense, but what that does say is if that's what's most important to a guest, that's where your photography, that's where your content needs to be. So not just here's one picture of a room, you know, here's several pictures of a room, here's a layout, here's a virtual tour, whatever else that you want to put in here, focus on that hotel info because that's very, very critical. Right behind that at 85% store, you had already touched on this was reviews guests require reviews before making a booking and like you said if you don't have the reviews they are leaving your site and going somewhere else to find that and getting exposed to your rates on OTAs and your competition absolutely and then lastly uh, you know from a statistic perspective 70% said local information was very important which I always thought was kind of surprising because when I'm looking at a destination you know, I'll choose a hotel and then go to other sites, a destination portal, whatever else it might be for local information. But if we can serve that as hoteliers and be hospitable to our 
guests online and at the property with local specific information because a lot of times what they're looking for is not necessarily that there's an amusement park nearby. They want to know that there's an amusement park 4.5 miles away and the concierge can have a free shuttle service. They're looking for that type of granular data. If you can put that on your site, combine it with great photography and a great design, you're going to minimize the chance of someone leaving your site and going elsewhere. For sure, for sure. So let's jump into the next one. This is my one. So this, <laughs> Pete, you got into some trouble on Twitter for this one because you, you wrote a sensational article with a real clickbaity headline. Yes, that was a small Twitter war. Yeah, it was. <laughs> a um, battle more than anything. But what, one of the things we wanted to know was how many different hotel websites were, were people looking at you know, during the research. We already know that they're coming to your website 3.4 times. So, And we kind of had an anchor on this because we did a study last year that kind of gave us a number. And, and the numbers actually shrunk a little bit in the last 12 months since we did our last study. But the average number of different sites that a consumer is going to look at before making a booking is according to what they reported was 4.4, you know, which is a lot lower than I think the industry's thought was the the status quo. The assumption was it was probably 10 or more, right? There, there've been a lot of studies out there that look at click streams and things like that. The, the Expedia one was like 38. Yeah. Something like that. But that was really flawed because they were looking at, all the sites someone looked at between when they first started researching in the book, right? So not necessarily just travel sites. So, okay. so I think their data was manipulated for a reason, but, uh, you know, because the trip, the Expedia one was 30 sites, Pete went out with a, a sensational headline that said number of sites is decreased by 88% or something like that, which obviously did its job of getting people to click on it. Um, and, <laughs> made a point and we're not saying that we're not saying the consumers fundamentally changed that much because they were looking at clickstream data we're looking at self-reported data right so it, it is it is apples to oranges data but even if we look at apples to apples and look at the same question that we posed to a similar database last year and this year the numbers shrunk so we do know that people aren't looking at that many sites and there's a reason for that right because People are getting more savvy at how they do the research. We know that they're starting with more complex, uh, longer tail search queries on search engines. But more importantly, a lot of them are looking at things like OTAs and TripAdvisor, which do a much better job today than they used to of providing all of the information they need to make a decision. So they're providing social proof, they're providing urgency, they're providing you know, information about the unit types and the price and the amenities and the location. All the stuff that matters to these guests, they have that information on the OTAs. Not always on the hotel property sites, but they're able to make a decision. So if it's 4.4 sites, and we know that they're probably looking at an OTA in that. They're maybe looking at TripAdvisor or something like that as well. So really, you're only dealing with two or three competitive hotel sites. So your chance of getting a booking, if you do it right, and if you differentiate, and if you really sell your property above the competition, is really high. So we could theoretically, if, we, if we're smart about this, go from a conversion rate of you know 1% to 2% on a hotel site to significantly higher if we just do a better job of closing the deal. If you look at it in terms of you know, like Expedia's, you know, 30 plus sites, 
before booking, and you know this state is showing just under five. I think it's more of a charge of how poorly hotel hotels in the travel industry in general did five, six years ago in curating content. I mean, that means someone had to go to 30 sites to make a booking decision? I mean, the fact that, like you said, Stuart, the OTAs are getting better at <clears throat> curating content. TripAdvisor's doing such a better job. I think there's been a consolidation in terms of the number of OTAs and acquisitions and whatnot, which may have reduced that a little bit. But the hotel's finally starting to wake up and build the sites that actually convert versus just you're an order taker. Yeah, I mean, content marketing, I mean, it's been a huge buzzword for the last three or four years. But if you look five years and beyond, it wasn't really a, a concept. And, you know, a lot of hotel sites, were just, it was a homogenized grouping of the same thing. Like, you go to every hotel site and it was, here are our rooms, here are our amenities, here's a little bit about us, book now. You know, that was it. They, they didn't have blogs. They didn't have experiential stuff. They weren't telling stories. You know, they weren't including tools like flip to with testimonials and photography from users and stuff like that. So I think the industry has evolved a lot, but I also think the consumer has evolved a lot. You know, we have less time, there's more pressure on us, but we're also more savvy. You know, we're also embrace technology. We're also more used to the internet. Um, you know, millennials have more buying power and they, um, you know, maybe are a little more savvy. Although in incidentally on this, because this is one of our um, millennial call outs was on this section. Millennials actually look at slightly more sites. There's there's a 4.6 versus 4.4, marginally different, but it's interesting that you know they they're a little more discerning. It would seem from that data. Yeah, I mean part part of it could also have to do with the fact that you know it's a younger audience, so they've probably been exposed to more variety in sites, whereas like people who've been traveling for five, 10, 15, 20 years kind of have sort of their go-tos that they go to and yeah. that, you know, maybe over time that goes down because of consolidation. But for millennials, you know, again, for, you know, subcategorizing here, they may have just had more exposure to different sites. And so that's just where they go. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that, that could explain that. And they might be looking for a different experience too. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. We could, we could make assumptions. I don't know if we know the answers. Yeah. But so that, so that's, uh, Pete's going to leave us now. We're going to kick him out. And uh, Ricky, you're going to have to play the role of Pete DeMeo for the remainder of this. So that requires at least two dad jokes. Okay. And you have to say the word especially at least once. At least In once. one or two throat clearing. Oh, yeah. Definitely. He has that tip. I'm, where it's, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've uh, covered that so oh, far. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Pete. Good luck. Have fun. Have fun, Pete. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's jump to the last section, which is Melissa, which this might be the most important one because we're talking about getting people to book. The alternative, if they don't book, is that they leave your site. So one of the things we analyzed in this study was why would one leave the site? What are some of the reasons? So Melissa, you want to jump into that? I would love to jump into that. The first thing I do want to point out, though, again, coming from the data standpoint of things and being the analytics person, said so if you look at your analytics data, you can see where people are leaving your website. You can see what percentage of people are leaving from your homepage or from your amenities page or from your booking engine or anywhere else in the site. But it doesn't tell you why people are leaving from that particular point. So we're going to jump into that in a minute. But according to the survey, our most popular reasons why people are leaving a site, number one is not that's surprising given the fact that we are talking about hotels and leisure travelers. 
and price is the number one factor. So overwhelming majority of people indicated that prices were too high or lack of availability for the desired uh, dates that they wanted to stay were reasons for abandoning. Now this is critical that that's something if people are looking for a specific date and you don't have availability and again we are talking about leisure travelers specifically if that's something your booking engine can help you out with and provide alternate dates we have found according to the survey that 41 percent of participants would consider an alternate date that's critical that's 41 percent of people that would have left your site right at that particular point that you could now potentially convert because you can serve them some alternate dates right in your booking engine. Yeah, it's it's always about in in general on the website you always want to give a guest a choice, and and you never want that choice to be one of the options be leave the site right. So if they run into any kind of dead end, whether that's they just read a blog article, whether that's they just submitted a a form and gave you an email address, whatever it is, give them the next step. So in the, in the case of booking and I run into there's no inventory available, the specific unit type I want is not available, give them an option. Tell them, hey, there's other unit types available that might fit your criteria or here's a date difference that might be a, a, an option to you. Not everyone, especially leisure travelers, don't, they don't have fixed plans. They haven't necessarily already booked the time off with work yet. You know, Some have, no question, but a lot of people haven't. So don't don't make their choice easy by saying, oh, sorry, we don't have it. You have to leave the site now. Exactly. And especially, or especially, there you go. that if you catch them early enough in the booking process when they're first doing their research, you know, if we're not talking about a week or so before they're planning on coming down, if we're talking about 30 days or so, chances are they really haven't locked in those dates. So there's your opportunity to really get them into that next step of the conversion funnel. Yeah, and that also gives you an opportunity with the booking engine in terms of rates, right? Because we're yielding rates, and obviously it's increased demand means increased rates. Uh, so having a booking engine that allows you to not only see availability, but also rate differences just by shifting a few days can really make a huge difference. You know, I'm very, I was before they got merged, but US Air was who I always flew on, and the only reason I did was... They had this really cool dynamic calendar where you could, if I was flying back to England, for example, I could put in my dates and say my dates are flexible. And they would give me a big grid that showed me just by shifting my flight out or flight back by a day how much it would save me. Right. So I'd always choose my trip based on that. You know? Spirit so does all, a good job always with that fly too. on US Air when they had that. Yeah, I mean, this, this just really highlights something that's kind of been a recurring theme in this conversation is that you really need to have sort of a path for everybody. You really need to be, you know, ha have empathy around, you know, who's there, why they're there and kind of what their struggle is and then, you know, provide for that. And part of like the one you bring up about having alternative dates is a great example of that because a lot of people are there just to shop around, right? They're just looking to see like what's there, what's available. And if you, to use, to use what you said, Stuart, dead end those people, then, you know, what's their recourse you know and a lot of times it's like well i'm done here i'll just move on to the next thing and it's almost like they're they're telling you by leaving that you've failed to fulfill you know what whatever that expectation was that they had and they're going to go on and find it somewhere else and at that point you, you probably lost them yeah, yeah. I, I look at the website as an extension of the property you know and if someone comes to your front desk and has a question or a challenge or, or yep. wants to solve some kind of problem 
you would never just get to the point where you just shrug and, and say, I can't help you, right? So why would your website do the same? Anticipate the questions that your guest is going to have and try to solve those problems before they even occur. Show them that you're hospitable before they check in. Yeah, yep. we're in the hospitality business. We forget that. And treat people like individuals, you know, not... It's easy. I think the internet broke our thinking because we, we started treating everyone like numbers in a database and open rates and conversion rates. And we're looking at things from a holistic standpoint. And we've forgotten that every single person that comes to my website is an individual with individual specific needs and desires. In, uh, in that, that's where the empathy comes in. Yeah. Yep. And that brings up some other influences that will encourage mm -hmm. people to leave your site. If they are looking for information and it doesn't occur on your website, if it's information about the rooms or the amenities, or, and we've talked about this already, poor photography, poor reviews, that is a big turnoff for many, many visitors and will encourage them to just abandon the entire booking process altogether. So again, it's about being useful. You definitely want to include as much information about your rooms as possible. I highly recommend, you know, different room, if you've got the uh, room types available, you want floor plans, anything that can help that visitor visualize themselves in that room is going to push them down that funnel further. So keep them on the site. And that also brings up another issue of keeping people from leaving is if they do have a question, what, what do they do? Overwhelmingly, people are going to pick up the phone. 76% of respondents said that they will contact a property by phone if they have a question, which comes back again to A, make sure your site is very usable on a mobile device and that that phone number is clickable, that they are one click away from contacting you. And also consider using some sort of a live chat function because people are getting more accustomed to using that. We've got 38% that said that they are willing to use live chat on a site. We yeah. found that very useful. Yeah, if your hotel does not have a live chat, you really should experiment with that. I mean, I know there are operational challenges to that, but to me, it, it not having a live chat today is like not having a, a call center or not having someone answering the phone. Like If it's a medium that where people genuinely are seeking help and 38% of people said they would use it, then why would you not provide that as a utility to that, those people? Because we know that if we can get someone on the phone, we've got a higher percentage chance of closing them. And the same with live chat. If we can solve their problems, if we can help them through, we're building a relationship that you know not only is going to hopefully get them to book now, but hopefully get them to evangelize your property, leave positive reviews and help your online reputation, and then stay again and again and again. What is the lifetime value of that guest? So why not give them... Again, thirty-eight percent of people want live chat. Yeah, it goes. It goes back to being hospitable. I mean, if they if they're going to see in that booking process or that research process or wherever it is they may be when they land on your site, that experience, to your point earlier, is going to be an extension of what they're going to expect to receive when they're at the property. Mm -hmm. So, if you're able to fulfill those needs at that point, then the expectation is going to be okay. When I'm there. And maybe it's their first time coming to the market. Maybe it's their first time at the hotel, whatever it may be. They're going to have questions, whether it's about the hotel, the destination, best place to eat, whatever it may be. You can start sort of, you know, setting the stage for how, how hospitable you are and how well you can fulfill their needs with the website. Those experiences have a huge sort of, you know, subconscious impact on the traveler. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing I'm going to say about why people leave your website is you can ask them. 
why they're leaving. There's technology out there that will let you do that. We've done that through our guest desk application as people leave the booking engine process where a little survey pops up that just asks one question. Why are you leaving with a simple choice? Were the prices too high? Were your dates not available? Or were you just researching? Or was it some other issue? Mm -hmm. And that one question alone could give you all the information you need to start testing. You know, I couldn't get through an episode without talking about testing. <laughs> without starting to test your website for better conversion optimization. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, we, we're running a little long on this episode, but, you know, there's a lot of awesome data and we're not going to cover it all, obviously, today. But if you guys want to go download this study, again, you can go to fueltravel.com slash website study. All we ask is you give us your email address and we will get, send you a link to the um, to download this as a PDF and you print it out and have fun. Or just reach out to us if you want to email info at Fuel Travel. If you want us to send you a printed version, we'll be glad to do that as well. But it, it is chock full of awesome, awesome stuff in Flip2. Mr. Ricky, we really, really appreciate you working with us and collaborating on this study because we could not have done it without you guys. Thanks for having us. This has been great. Yeah, so... You want to do another shameless plug of Flip2 and where they can find you guys on the web? Yeah, absolutely. So the website is flip.to, F-L-I-P.to. Um, as far as finding me, you can find me there. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at Flip2Rick. That's F-L-I-P, the number two, R-I-C-K. Okay. And Melissa, where can they find you on the web? I am in the Twitter sphere at Ma Cavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And you can find me on Twitter at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us, Fueligans, collectively here at Fuel Travel. And don't forget to go check out the podcast notes. We'll put a link in there to the travel study download as well. And the podcast notes will be at fueltravel.com slash podcast. And you would click on episode 46. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Fifty pounds of honey. That's all I have to say. <laughs>